said, I get the pleasure of introducing Andy Deeb. So Andy Deeb is one of our congregants who's going to be preaching this morning. And Andy is a seminary student out at San Francisco Theological. Andy grew up here in Southeast Michigan and is now off pursuing his calling out there in California and is with us for the summer. So I was talking to Andy this morning and I was like, you know, how are you feeling? You know, doing all right. And I was like, look, I, you know, all the things that happened in Charlottesville yesterday, like I watched some of it live streaming and I just wept yesterday morning and I was like, you know, we need to say something, you know, condemning the white supremacy and the different things that are going on and really addressing, especially those of us who are white and just saying we need to be like speaking out, condemning this, taking steps to dismantle the systemic oppression. And I was like, don't worry, Andy, like, I know you've probably been preparing all week, like I'll just do it. And he goes, no, 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 I actually redid my whole sermon yesterday. I said, no, you didn't. <laughs> I usually wouldn't have that. He said, yeah, I did. I was like, you're going to be an incredible pastor. <laughs> like, there are certain things. There are certain moments in history where you just have to drop everything and sort of address the issue at hand. So, Andy, we are so glad to have you this morning. Let's everybody give him a warm welcome. Um, so, yeah, like Emily said, uh, after everything that happened in Virginia yesterday, I really couldn't imagine talking about anything else. Because after our country experiences just violence, hatred, and terror like that, how can you think about anything else? I was, and I was and I am just so angry that we're having the same conversation about white supremacy time and time again and nothing is changing. And I just, I don't know where God is in any of this. The book of uh, Habakkuk was written, he's one of the minor prophets, uh, was written during the Babylonian conflict. So the Assyrians were in power and they had destroyed the northern kingdom of Samaria. So um, Habakkuk was down in the southern kingdom of uh, Judah and writing, uh, essentially, how long, Lord, will the wicked prosper? How long are we going to suffer under this oppressive regime? And God responds, don't worry, I got this. The Babylonians are coming and they'll take care of everything. <laughs> uh, and Habakkuk's like, okay, well, I know you're God and everything, but here's the thing. The Babylonians are worse. They're more violent, they're more bloodthirsty, and they're more brutal. So, uh, can we get something else? And God's like, no, 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 it's going to be fine. It's going to be fine. The Babylonians will get what they deserve too. And Habakkuk says, well, all right, but just remember you promised to not let us all die. Um, and then he ends by praising God, even though everything may fall apart and everything may die. And maybe you don't feel like praising God this morning. I know I, I really don't. How can I praise God when my brothers and sisters of color are subjected to the kind of hatred we witnessed yesterday? How can I praise God when we live in a country... So last week I was wearing a shirt that said, this is what trans looks like. And when I got home, I had to go to the hardware store for something. I live in Hamburg out near Whitmore Lake. 
and it's right down the road, right down M36, so I was walking there. And I got halfway there, and I looked down and realized the shirt I was wearing, and turned around and went home because I was afraid to step onto that highway because I thought someone was going to swerve off that road and hit me because of the shirt I was wearing. How can I praise God when we live in a place like this? And what happened in Virginia, this isn't an isolated incident, and it's becoming seemingly more common. People are dead, people are maimed, their bodies broken for some reason that nobody can, we can try to explain it and say, well, it's because of hatred, but any explanation we give is inadequate. There is no reason that this should be happening. And I would love to have Habakkuk's attitude, but I don't. I'm tired. I'm tired of so many things. I'm tired of people dying or being hurt because of the color of their skin, gender identity, sexuality, country of Oregon, and I don't understand why God won't do something. And the frustrating thing about our faith is we never get an answer to that question, why don't you do something? The book of Job focuses on that almost exclusively. Job has all of the things, seemingly, and then loses them all in almost an instant. And this personal crisis that he has uh, triggers an existential crisis where he um, starts to talk a little bit, kind of like the writer of Ecclesiastes, like, nothing makes sense. The wicked uh, prosper, the righteous die, we all die. Why should the wicked care that their offspring gets punished for what they do? do? They're wicked. They don't care about anything else. Um, and he he doesn't understand and he essentially puts God on trial. He makes this long, uh, elaborate legal plea of like, God, come down and explain yourself. And God comes down and he answers, am I not God? And that's about it. That, that sums up everything God says is, am I not God? Which isn't really, doesn't really answer what Job is asking. And I used to find that answer so, so frustrating. But in working on this yesterday, I actually started to find some peace in that answer. Because what, what the answer, am I not God, causes us to do is causes us to think about what that means and who God is. And um, Deuteronomy 7, 9, Know therefore that the Lord your God is God, the faithful God who keeps covenant and steadfast love with those who love him to a thousand generations. We see time and time again in scripture, God keep God's promises. Though it rarely looks how we expect it to and it rarely happens when we want it to. Um, when the Judean elite were taken into exile by the Babylonians, they had watched their city be destroyed, their homes, their loved ones die, the temple be destroyed, the dwell very dwelling place of God was gone. They didn't know if they would ever return, they didn't know if God was with them, and they didn't know if God would ever come back to them. Um, and this is the context of the book of Lamentations. And Lamentations ends, Why do you forget us forever? Why do you forsake us for so many days? Restore, to, restore us to yourself, O Lord, that we may be restored. Renew our days of old, unless you have utterly rejected us and you remain exceedingly angry with us. The people um, writing Lamentations were saying, God... We don't even know if you're here anymore. But if you are, and if you're listening, please be with us. And God kept God's covenant with them. God brought them back from exile, and God will keep God's covenant with us 
God will deliver us no matter how dark and hopeless things seem. After Jesus died, I imagine the disciples felt like they had lost. I imagine that they didn't see any way that things could get better. Hatred and violence had defeated, seemingly defeated the very Son of God. And how could they stand against something that killed the Son of God? But Jesus' death was not the end. Death could not hold him, and death cannot hold us. Hatred could not overcome him, and hatred will not overcome us. And I would love to get up here and say that, like, everything's going to be okay because God will fix it all eventually, but I can't because things are, like, things are clearly not okay. They haven't been okay for a while, and it doesn't look like they're going to get any better. But I do want to encourage us to have hope through this. And hope doesn't take away the pain of the present situation, but it encourages us to endure through it for the better future that is to come. We can accept God's sovereignty while still lamenting. We do not need to jump to false joy and hope. We can still hold to hope while still saying, God, this is terrible and wrong and I hate it and I wish it was different and I cannot accept how things are. We must continue to fight hate with love even though it may feel like we are losing. We must continue to do the work that Jesus left us, loving and standing with our neighbors, standing against white supremacy, against cisgender supremacy, against any kind of supremacy that says some person is better than another just because of some arbitrary social construct or something, the way they look, the way that they act, something that says that one person should be above another. We must continue to fight against that because that is what Jesus told us, that we are all children of God and we are all family and we need to love each other. We will continue to show the light of Christ to those who we come in contact with. The light shone in the darkness, and the darkness could not overcome him. Jesus gave past the light onto us. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness will not overcome us. Let us be encouraged by Jesus' promise in John 14. I will not leave you orphaned, I am coming to you. In a little while, the world will no longer see me, but you will see me. Because I live, you will also live. Lord, preserve our hope. I want to end um, with a little bit of Lectio Divina um, from Psalm 74. I kind of went in and grabbed the things just like a couple verses of it. And how this works is I'm going to read it. And then while I'm reading it, listen for like a word or a phrase that sticks out to you, and then just hold that in your mind. And then I'm going to read it again after that, and listen for what God might be trying to say to you with that word or phrase. So, Psalm 74. We no longer see your miraculous signs. All the prophets are gone, and no one can tell us when it will end. How long, O oh Lord, oh Lord, will you let our enemies insult you? Will you let them dishonor your name forever? 
Why do you hold back your strong right hand? Unleash your powerful fist and destroy them. You, O God, are my king from ages past, bringing salvation to the earth. Both day and night belong to you. You made the starlight and the sun. You set the boundaries of the earth, and you made both summer and winter. Do not let these wild beasts destroy your turtle doves. Don't forget your suffering people forever. Remember your covenant promises, for the land is full of darkness and violence. Don't let the downtrodden be humiliated again. Instead, let the poor and needy praise your name. Arise, O God, and defend your cause. We no longer see your miraculous signs. All the prophets are gone, and no one can tell us when it will end. How long, O oh God, will you allow our enemies to insult you? Will you let them dishonor your name forever? Why do you hold back your strong right hand? Unleash your powerful fist and destroy them. You, O oh God, are my king from ages past, bringing salvation to the earth. Both day and night belong to you, you made the starlight and the sun. You set the boundaries of the earth. You made both summer and winter. Don't let these wild beasts destroy your turtle doves. Don't forget your suffering people forever. Remember your covenant promises, for the land is full of darkness and violence. Don't let the downtrodden be humiliated again. Instead, let the poor and needy praise your name. Arise, O God, and defend your cause. Arise, O God, and defend your cause. Amen. Amen. Well done, Andy. Is that was that your first sermon ever? No. All right. Let's give let's give an extra. Yeah. There were actually, there were two things that I just want to highlight from what Andy said. There was like such a lot of meat in there. And the first one was I was noticing what he was saying about um, like humans containing a dichotomy within us. And I thought, wow, that's really profound. This idea that you can have so much despair and so much lament and so much hopelessness and yet still have some hope, right? That's, that's an odd truth about humans is that 
we can be both hopeless and hopeful. And I was thinking as, as he was speaking a little bit about how there's like so much, so many like kind of paradoxes a little bit within our, within our own faith that attest to this, that, you know, God, that Jesus came down and was both human and divine, that the realm of God is both here and it's not yet, that within our own faith we have some of these tensions. And I was thinking, yeah, that's really, that's actually really profound. And I was even thinking about it just being white. I'm like, I don't think of myself as a racist, and yet, being white and American, I'm sure there's some racist parts of me that I'm still uncovering and having to do my own part to try and learn and figure out how I'm contributing to some of the systemic racism and what I need to do to repent and to try and repent of those things and move forward and learn um, and correct my ways. So that was, that was the first thing that really stuck out to me. The second was just, Andy, just thank you so much for speaking from the voice of someone who's oppressed also. And I felt like there was just a real prophetic hope being communicated there from somebody who is a transgender man and even saying like, look, I'm scared to go certain places because I'm scared for my life. And to hear somebody who speaks from a minority position just say, and yet, I still have hope. You know, so that's what we want to declare, that even though the racism and the white supremacy is so rampant in our culture that as a people, as the people of God, we still stand and we prophetically declare, and yet we still have hope. And part of the way that we declare our hope is by coming every week to have communion. As Andy said, we are all children of God. We are all the family of God. And part of us saying that is coming together to have a meal every Sunday and says, I don't care who you are. I don't care where you come from. I don't care what class you come from. I don't care your gender, your sexual orientation. Here in the family of God, we are equals. And we come together and we share the bread and we share the drink. So I'm going to go a little bit out of order today because I just feel like we should have communion right now. We'll do the, actually, you know what, skip the offering. We'll put an offering bucket in the back. We usually like to keep it as part of the service, you know, just to say everything belongs to God. Okay, we'll say everything belongs to God, okay? This week, we'll put the bucket in the back. Let's stand up and take communion together. This is an important week. So the Lord Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, he took bread, and after giving thanks, he broke it. And he said, this is my body, which was broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And in the same way after supper, he took the cup. And he said, this cup is the blood of the new covenant that is poured out for you. Do this as often as you do it in remembrance of me. For whenever you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes again. Now we say in the words that our teacher taught us, our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our sins, as we forgive those who sin against us. Save us from the time of trial, and deliver us from Amen.